Welcome to the 3D world with OpenGL and Vulkan. Hello and welcome to episode number six of the OpenGL and Vulkan podcast. Today we're going to talk about shaders and the programmable pipeline. But just before we start, I'd need to say one small thank you for the massive support and the massive feedback I get. And I'm very, very happy that you really like to listen to this podcast. So big thank you from my side. Just more, just want to give you a hint on a additional podcast that I'm doing, which is totally other topic, but you may be interested in some strange storytelling, let's say. So just um, look into iTunes or on the web for Minority 7 podcast. That's a novel telling, let's say, space game podcast a bit strange but just one of my projects that i'm working on so that's minority seven just look for it and i'm just tell me if you like it or not okay so today it's about shaders so shaders uh, in opengl can only be used in the so-called programmable pipeline and that means you need to come up with at least two shaders to make it possible for opengl to render all your data so what are shaders in, in detail. A shader, first of all, is a very small piece of code, a simple, simple program, let's say, written in the OpenGL shading language, GLSL. And um, this language is quite similar to C code, let's say. But um, if you're a programmer, you should not have any problem to understand how it's working anyway. So that shouldn't be too hard for you to figure out. So these shaders are, first of all, just small pieces of code, plain text that you can write in your application. And when you want to use them with OpenGL, you need to make sure they get compiled properly, they get linked to one another, and they need to be moved to the graphic card to be inside your render pipeline. That sounds very strange on the first strike, but um, it isn't as hard as, as it sounds uh, right now. So OpenGL provides all the functions that you need to compile and to link your shaders and to put them to the render pipeline. So uh, it's indeed just a few function calls for you to go. But basically, let's just first of all, make sure you really understand what the shaders are and what they are doing. So um, in your render pipeline, in the programmable render pipeline of OpenGL, there are at least two points where you may come up with your own small programs, the shaders, to change the behavior of the pipeline. So the first place, of course, is the vertex shader, which means the part of the pipeline where every single vertex, every single 3D geometric point that you provide will be processed to its final position and its final behavior, let's say. So at this point, you can write a small program that maybe moves this vertex point a bit more to the left, a bit more to the right. Um, maybe when it's calculating even its, its light, it may change the light equation on this one. It may just calculate how far from the actual camera this point is away and how it's facing a certain light uh, source in your space. So these are all things that you can do in the vertex shader. and. Um, the major point is the vertex shader needs to have at least one output variable, which is a VEC4, so four floats, which include the final X, Y, Z and W coordinates of your point. 
Um, at this point, we'll go into the pipeline, will be rasterized and processed on and on for you. So um, whatever you do in your vertex shader, make sure there's at least this one output variable. And if you're using the old approach or the embedded device approach of OpenGL, this uh, output variable has a given name, which is called GL underscore um, frac... No, GL underscore GL position, I guess. Um, and uh, you should uh, fill this variable, otherwise you won't see anything in your, in your render result. So the vertex shader, to keep it simple, is just manipulating your input data to um, set it to its final position to give it its final uh, values. Um, very interesting about the vertex shader is that even if you render a triangle, uh, and three points somehow belong together. Each of the three corner points of the triangle will be rendered separately on its own. It will be processed totally on its own in the vertex shader. And only after the vertex shader has done his work with this one corner point, it will again um, put it together to a triangle and uh, then rasterize the final triangle. But keep in mind, every vertex is processed on its own separately. So the moment you're processing the vertex, you do not even know it's a triangle. So from this point on, the data goes on through the pipeline. You've got a lot of um, points then going on to be rasterized in the rasterization stage, and you end up with a lot of fragments. Once more, I mentioned this in another podcast, fragments are almost like pixels, not always, but for, for us, it should be easier to um, consider them a pixel, first of all. So all these fragments or pixels go into the so-called fragment shader later in the pipeline, which means for every single pixel on your screen that was created out of your geometry, um, this shader is called once more. And again, here, everything is working in parallel. So all the pixels are processed in parallel tasks and you can't tell which pixel you're currently working on and if the neighbor pixel already exists and you also can't tell if this pixel belongs to a triangle or I don't know. So um, very isolated view onto one of the pixels in this fragment shader going on. So the fragment shader gets the, the data from the pipeline which has been processed before and the fragment shader may as well get so-called varying variables. These are variables that you have filled in the vertex shader which get interpolated through the pipeline and um, are available then in the fragment shader for every single pixel. So for better understanding here, just think of the three corner points of our triangle again. Just um, think of every corner point having its own color. And um, if you have two corner points, the one is blue, the one is red, there are a lot of pixels to be generated between those corner points and we need a proper gradient between the two colors of the corner point. And this is actually what the pipeline is doing for us. When you put in the colors of the corner points in the vertex shader into a varying that you may call interpolated color, um, this varying variable needs to exist in the fragment shader as well. So in the fragment shader, these colors already arrive interpolated for you. That's fairly fine because you don't need to take care about this interpolation at all. So you've got your data in the vertex shader and um, you can do the final 
processing of this pixel to calculate its color, to calculate again how this pixel is pointing towards the sun, your, your light source, and to calculate which texture points need to put on this pixel. This is all stuff going on in the, in the fragment shader. Um, just remember, as this shader is called, for every pixel on the screen, you should not um, play around with loops too much, because if you have a loop in your fragment shader going on from 1 to 100 or 1 to 1000, then pretty much, um, it's, uh, then pretty soon your graphic card will start to burn, I guess. Or it's getting very slow, at least. So, um, keep it simple in your, in your fragment shader, although the fragment shader is definitely the mightiest tool in the chain for you to, um, to manipulate the final result and to make it look realistic. One more point to mention very clearly the, the relation between vertex shader calls and fragment shader calls. Of course, normally is not one to one, but is one to X. So that means you've got three corner points forming up a triangle. And this triangle in the end may consist of 500,000 pixels. So there are 500,000 fragment shader calls. So you end up with three vertex shader calls for each corner point and end up with 500,000 fragment shader calls for each pixel of this triangle. So just keep that in mind. Um, this is something that I realize people are always very irritated about, that they don't understand the relation between the two of those. So um, after all this tricky stuff that you're doing in the vertex shader and the fragment shader, um, in the end what's coming out of the, of the fragment shader, in the end is only just one pixel. So this is what you can see on the screen, an RGB value um, that you write to the screen. And again, if you're using the old approach or the, the uh, mobile, the embedded version of OpenGL, um, this is called GL Freck Color. And uh, this one is just going further down the pipeline to be written to the so-called color buffer. So this information is just stored. But to sum it up, these are just two small programs, let's call it very small programs or scripts, working together on the graphic card inside your pipeline to, on the one hand, manipulate your 3D geometric information in the vertex shader, and on the other hand, to manipulate the final RGB alpha color value for each pixel on the screen. So this is actually what the shaders are doing. So how do you get these shaders to work in the render pipeline? Um, as I just mentioned, there are a few calls to this which are quite easy to be used. First of all, there's GL create shaders, uh, which gets a parameter what kind of shader you want to create, if it's a vertex shader or a fragment shader. And after you've created this one, you need to somehow attach the source to it. Um, so there's a function for adding your source to this uh, to the shader and after you've done this there's a function gl compile shader i guess it is which is really just compiling the source that you have just put into your shader and um, of course at this point you should always check for errors if the compilation went right or if some errors occur because debugging of the shaders uh, later in the in the pipeline itself is very tricky so you do this twice, of course. You do this once for the vertex shader and you do it once more for the fragment shader, which leaves you with two so-called shader objects, which are fine. You've got the, the source attached, you've got compiled them probably. So you've got these two shaders, which are now somehow available in, in, in binary somewhere in the RAM. 
So what do you need to do with them right now? Well, these shaders on their own, you can't manage them. You need to put them inside of something like a container. And this is called in OpenGL the so-called program, program object. So you use GL create program to create a so-called program object. And this is really just your container for keeping a track of these both shaders which belong together. So you create the program, then you attach both shaders to the program. That's GL attach shader. As parameters, you get here the, the program and the shaders ID. And um, after you've done this, you can tell the program object to link the shaders together. That's GL link program, I guess. After this has finished successfully, you really have a program object you could use. But here again, make sure that you check for linking errors, for OpenGL errors, because if you're using varyings in both of the shaders and you may have misspelled the name of the varying in one of the shaders, then he can't link those shaders together and you may um, end up with, with a broken program object and um, if you don't have a program object for a programmable pipeline, then you will end up with seeing nothing on the screen, of course. Okay, this was a fast introduction to what shaders are in general, how you get them running in very quick steps as well, I agree. But this was just the basic um, overview episode on this topic. And uh, we will go into detail into each of the shaders later to really tell you what are all the values you can use there, what are built-in variables in different OpenGL versions, and uh, what are the tricky points in the shaders, and what are, of course, the performance-intensive points, which cost you a lot of time. So the points where you could reduce time of processing to boost up the performance of your application. Okay, so... Um, just a quick introduction to shaders today and um, look forward to another episode about shaders in more detail. Hope you will listen to this one as well and um, take care till then. Bye.